0: So here's the thing, I left home at 17. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I went to, I was with my grandma because I had problems at home. So what's the one successful relationship you've seen then? I haven't, bro. So what do you, at this level, what do you think about monogamy? Like, what do you mean? Hold on, what what am I saying? (laughs) Yo, it's not a linear. (laughs) This might be the first time I admit this publicly. You get to the age at college, like, I'm a broke student. I was working here and there or whatever, then I went to the streets. You don't even know, yeah, like that. You, you, okay, hold yeah. on, hold on, hold on, hold on, okay. Were you ever tempted to, to, to get into the life? Of like the, the bangings. Yeah. Stuff, never, because that's not me. I can't really tell you exactly where I wanna be at, when I'm at my top because I'm such an artistic person. I have so much in me. Yeah. My medium
1: is always gonna change. Uh, it's so interesting that we weren't recording before because I think we just had a very good conversation. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I want to welcome everybody to another episode of Unlinear uh, where we try and track the unlinear path of our special guests. Today, I have the great pleasure, very special person in my life because of what he represents for my own journey. So this is very, 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 very um, meta for me. I'm sitting here with Corey Cash, president and founder of Black is a New Rich. Thank you. Uh, podcast, Empire, movement, media company. The app is probably the thing that I found the most interesting just because of that sort of search for black businesses. But uh, Corey, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Just one thing I want to say about the app. I've actually put
0: it on pause because I've realized I got into something and I need so much more research gotcha. about it. Right. So I'm like, OK, I kind of went head first into something. So I want to do it right. So I just put it on pause for now, but it's still in the back. It's still there. OK, still there. Am i still able to download it. No, I took it off. You took it off? I took it off because I wow. really want to rebrand it and I really want to do it properly. Because okay. I just, like I said, I went in uh, nose first, not mm-hmm. knowing what I was getting into. Yep. But I know the idea is can be can flourish, Yep. but what's an idea? Yep. You got you to gotta execute that idea. So I just want to do it properly.
1: So most people who are here, they're probably going to be aware. Black is in the New Rich is a podcast series that you run where you speak with a vast amount of different individuals from different backgrounds. What would you say your biggest goal is when, when you have somebody sitting across from the chair from you, what is the biggest thing you're trying to pull out of them?
0: The biggest thing I'm trying to pull out of a guest is every guest, I treat them like they're the expert in their field, their life. And I just want a viewer to look at them and be like, you know what, Travel I want to be like Travel Like, okay. you know, I could see myself in Travel You know what? Let me message Travel after this interview because I'm so interested Interested in his story because I want to know the steps he took in a further, like you know, in more detail. Okay.
1: And you know, obviously prior to this, I mean, we're going to get into it all. I, yeah. learned, I learned so much. We're going to get into the whole thing. Prior to the impetus for Black is the New Rich, prior to your time in media and arts, you were an athlete. Yes. So, I mean, you're still an athlete. I don't yes. want to, <laughs> tell, I don't want to I'm take away. Not trying to take away, to away yes. no. We're just thunder, yes. But prior to leaning into that. Your identity was as an athlete. Yes. So if I'm to draw you all the way back. Yeah. Um, When was the first time that you thought? Because there's that moment. We all had it. I thought, you know, when you're playing a sport as a child, when was the first time you thought you were going to the NBA?
0: Holy. The first time I thought I was going to the NBA was probably about like seven years
1: old. Seven. Okay.
0: About seven. Um, Because I came from a neighborhood that everybody played basketball. We're always outside from- um, and you
1: produced a couple guys as well. Yeah, exactly. A couple exactly. guys came from over there. Yep.
0: It, you know, so we're always outside from literally sun up to sun down, didn't eat throughout the day. Yeah. Mom would be mad because like, you know, I wasn't eating or I was coming home too late. Yeah. So we're playing basketball all day from seven years old. And from then I was like, why not? Why not the NBA? Because it was such a dream. We didn't have this YouTube and politics stuff with basketball. So it seemed like a realistic dream at that age. Where was your, where's your mom from? My mom is born in England. Okay. Yeah, and my dad's born in England too. Okay. Yes, and my, go ahead.
1: So when you're here at seven, are they both here? Yeah, they're both here. Okay. Um, Was your father an athlete? My father was a soccer player until about
0: 16, 17.
1: So seven years old, you develop a love for basketball. Yeah. Playing on the playground. Two parents from England. Yes. Were you playing organized basketball yet?
0: That's crazy because I started well, it was a little hood back then, um so I was playing outside all the time up until about grade six was the first year I started playing organized basketball okay, and then when I came into organized basketball, everyone could tell I was been I was a hooper like a street baller, yeah, you know so I had a lot of refining to do, but yep. that was the first time that I played monarchs actually
1: that is that is something that I always find interesting from a from an upbringing perspective, right where and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really bake your noodle here. Sliding doors more. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let's say your parents, and I'm not, I, don't, I don't really know them, right? But let's say your parents had a different aptitude. Let's say they were from here and they knew basketball as a sport greatly. Mm-hmm. And their seven-year-old comes to them and says, hey, I, I want to play ball. And they put you in like a basketball camp. And they put you in a sort of a youth, uh, some sort of organized basketball.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do, you think you'd make, do you think you would have made the league if your game got refined sooner? 100%. Jeez.
0: I'm I'm mean, not tell you why. Jeez. Because sports um, well i'll talk about basketball yeah if you're a parent and you have a child in basketball and they're showing a love for the game yeah. if you are not close by the sideline at all times yeah forget it forget it really? you yeah forget it because okay. your parents need to be involved there's a certain politics that go on yeah. when it when there's basketball and the parents that are always closer to the coaches are closer to the program yep. and show that they're interested in, in pushing their son or daughter forward. Yep. Yep. Those kids normally go really far, yep. but I don't blame my parents. They didn't know any better. Right. Right.
1: So I remember that the reason why I asked that, a friend of mine, he was a soccer player, great soccer player. And there was a period of time, it's only recently changed where Soccer Canada is getting guys from over here. But there was a joke that for all the you know U21, U16, for all those teams, it was always filled up guys from out west
0: mm-hmm.
1: because those parents pay
0: mm, exactly,
1: and these programs need money hundred percent. You need the sandwiches, you need the bus ticket, you need the bus. so you need the parents who pay these. In, not inner city, but these like Brampton, Mississauga guys who were ballers. Yes, ball, like I would joke with me and say, "Well, this guy, this guy can't hold my socks." Like, but their parents, to their parents, it's okay. Go play. Uh, well, how much is the fee, and they go, pay. and there's not that extra level of engagement.
0: Yeah. So that's the thing. Like a lot of our inner city kids, like you mentioned, yeah. get lost in inner city stuff yep. because our parents couldn't afford it right. or they didn't have the knowledge to be close. And it, uh, it's, it's changed now though, to be honest,
1: in terms of w- which part,
0: because I feel like I, I feel even, I feel more empathy to the inner city kids. Cause they're even more lost in the system now, because you know why everybody has a trainer now. Right. Right. So, with the thing that was going on back in the day, we were all just playing outside, getting better. Whether it was the rich kids, the poor kids, it doesn't matter. We're all outside. Yeah, we're all But playing. now these these parents are getting their kids trainers from five, six, seven years old. Right. So what are the What is this? The inner cities,
1: they don't. It's a disadvantage. You'd like to think that talent is still going to speak. Talent, still gonna, raw talent, will still. Raw talent does speak. I still remember when we drafted Bruno Caboclo, and I never forgot. <laughs> yeah. The guy said that Bruno Caboclo is four years away from being four yeah, years away. Yeah, yeah. The He's next, a first-round pick on the, that guy.
0: Yeah, the Brazilian KD at the time.
1: Now, he never manifested, but I'll tell you what, Bruno Caboclo made a couple million dollars on the assumption of his, of, For sure. of his potential. For sure.
0: Raw talent is needed, yeah. right? But because basketball now is such a popular game, you yeah. can find raw talent a lot easier.
1: right? Okay. To a good point. Yeah. So you start playing organized basketball in the sixth grade. Yes. We have a mutual friend, David. Yes, that's my guy. Um, or I should more say, obviously, I went to college with David. So I'll be clear. Sorry, yeah. David. I don't want to miss it. <laughs> I'm not trying to misquote. Sorry. Because yeah. It's funny because he'll, he'll, he'll get at me for that. Because yeah. I saw David the other day.
2: Yeah.
1: I saw him the other day. at a, We were at like a lounge or something. He was with his lovely woman. Yeah. And I was like the biggest loser from college. I <laughs> was like, hey, man. Like, you know... <laughs> 100% David <laughs> wishes he had security. So I'm, let me not misrepresent <laughs> it. But my alma mater is York University, and I went to York University when David Tyndall was the man. Two Rouch was in his senior season. Yes. David Tindall came in as a, as a freshman. Yeah. And crazy thing is Two Rouch plays point guard. David Tindall plays point guard. He comes in. This is when they had the magazines He's coming in from Gates. Yes. And there was a magazine of the three kings. Him, Nicholson. Yeah. And there was another guy. I can't remember.
0: Uh, it was DeVoe and like Corey Joseph.
1: Okay. And Corey Joe. David Tyndall comes to York and it's like, yo, he's the one from Mississauga, mm-hmm. but who's going to play point guard? Because it's mm-hmm. Toots team. Mm-hmm. And at the time I'm, a, I'm playing football. So you kind of hear about, you know, you hear the, the stories with the stuff. athletes, you hear about because when we're coming to the tail end of our season, training camp is started for basketball, guys are getting ready to play. And uh, we used to have an athlete gym at, at, at York. Yes. And you'd hear the stuff of legend, David Tyndall in the athlete's gym going Nuts. Go win. Yeah. No, I'm the best. Yeah. I'm the, so you, people think, man, this guy, and, he, and David Tinder has, sorry again, short man syndrome. Yeah. Because, you know, but, and uh, I think it's like by game three, David Tinder's a point guard, two rush playing shooting guard. Yeah, just like that. Just like that. You know? So what's it like? So the, that, that is my experience with him as a, <laughs> a grown guy, a finished article you're in the sixth grade and this is your competition or this is your teammate what is yeah. it like for you around so, these times so me and david became like best friends since grade six
0: okay believe right away it, yeah right away okay so believe it or not in grade six i was better than him okay okay, okay. so he looked at me like yo who is this new kid coming to valleys went to valleys senior yep. uh, senior public school and he's like who's this new kid blah, blah 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 and i was better than him at the time okay let me tell you something about david man like He is the hardest working person I know in my life, in my life. And as we got older, I had to almost apologize to him because I didn't understand what work ethic meant when I should have known what work ethic meant. He was always in the gym. Come on, guys, let's go, let's go. Ah, it's okay, like, you know, da 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 whatever. But he was putting in the extra work and whatever, you know, like everything is written, so- He's one of the best basketball players that I've ever, like, seen. Same, natural uh, talent. Yeah, natural speed, tats. ability. And, yo, oh, man, he was such a killer. He had Kobe's mentality, Jordan's mentality. And by the, like, you know, some injuries and uh, some mishap situations, it didn't pan out to the way he wanted. Yeah. But, like I said, he's the one, he's the... He's all he's the hardest working person I know to this day. Mm. And he's one of the most talented individuals I know as well because he has actually a plethora of skills that yeah. people don't know about. Like right. he can paint, he can do all these things. He's a genius when it came to school. Like he was the kid that was always on a, the oh, honor he was a great student. Yeah. Great student. He was a great student. Yeah. Temper. Temper, people don't know. <laughs> yeah, Tem- <well>. yeah, <laughs> yeah, temper. Sure. But you know, but his grades spoke and that's what made him special. Yeah. That's what I got to say about David.
1: So when you're coming up and you meet that person, when you're young and you come up against another blast furnace like that. Yes. What do you think that brought out of you in your formative years? In my formative years? (sighs) Because you're telling me that essentially your best friend from the time that you're in grade six, I'll be in grade six, you're 12. Yes. So you finished your personality. Yep. So now all you're doing is refining who you are. Yep. And in the years that you're refining who you are, you're saying that right across from you, closest to you, is essentially general Patton in disguise. Yes. What, what does that bring out of you at your young age? What does that bring out of me now or then? then? Like, what, if you think about it, what, what was that doing to you? What does it do to you now when you reflect on it? Oh, to be honest, it brings, uh, man, like
0: I say, like, David feels like, he feels like we're the same age, yeah. but he feels like my bigger brother. Wow. Because he was so mature about life from such a young age on how to take care of the details okay. in life. Okay. So seeing that very close every single day, again, I didn't necessarily appreciate it as I appreciate it now, yeah. but it was still building a work ethic that I have now today, even
1: though I didn't quite get it, but I get it now. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I think the reason why I'm thinking what it brings out of you is because there's an adaptability that you have, right? and we're gonna get to it, but I'm, I'm, what, I, what I'm tracking here is, you know, you're, seven, you're seven years old and you're gonna to go to the NBA. Yeah. You get to the sixth grade and you show up and, 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 and you naturally, out of bed, are better yeah. than who you're saying is the hardest working player. Yeah. From the age then of grade six all the way to grade 12. Yes. You essentially watch a person that you were better than. Bro. Improve. And, and improve become way better than me. And improve, okay. <laughs> now I'm just thinking myself, What that would do to me psychologically because I think I'm going to the NBA and this guy has caught and now passed me and I can't catch him. Yeah, no. In my mind, that is going to do something to me. Yes, but here's here's where my fault comes in. I believe
0: there's something that happened I don't exactly know when but my love for the game started to diminish. Wow. I don't know if it was grade 10 I got cut from the Monarchs and it was a BS cut. Everyone in like everybody this, knew it was a mistake. Yeah, everyone knew it was a mistake. So I started to, I don't know, I didn't love the game as much. So that's why I wasn't paying attention how I should have been to I like his so. craft or what he was doing or the steps he was taking. Cause I, from then, it started to diminish the love for the game, to be honest.
1: So when did you decide that you weren't going to the NBA? Oof. Uh, grade 10, grade
0: 11.
1: So, the Monarchs the thing. Yeah, is modern, yeah
0: that, that was the thing, like, wow, okay, well, what do I do now?
1: What did your parents say to you at that time?
0: See, I didn't really have the closest relationship with my parents. Okay. Um, then, uh, when it came to sports, so it was just like not something that wasn't talked about. Literally, David's parents kind of took me under their wing when okay. it came to sports, they took me to the games. So, we didn't have those type of conversations. So, mm. I always felt lost in sports. Yes, I was good. Everyone knew I was, you know, I could play. But like I said, it sports got lost in that grade 10 area, grade 10 era because I don't know. I just didn't know where I was going with it. So at grade 10, you're 15. Am I yes. getting my numbers right? Grade 10 year old, 15 yeah, years yeah.
1: old. So this is something you've wanted to do since you were seven. You're not 15. You don't want to, you're, you're thinking, okay, maybe not. Eight years of your life, you wanted to be a basketball player. Which but I still a... did. Don't get me wrong. I still did. Okay, then so let's. Yeah, I still did, but
0: I felt like I was, I'm a black or white person. Yep. But I was in a gray area, which makes, ultimately makes me feel very uncomfortable. I understand. Right? So I just didn't know. Remember, we didn't have social media. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't right. have the coaches telling us, okay, this is the steps that you need to take to go to, I don't know, a prep school, a juco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we didn't have any direction. We're just playing and seeing what happens. Pooping and waiting
1: for somebody to come give you a phone call. Exactly. Okay.
0: So I was still doing that. But I guess like being in a gray era, kind of was like, okay, like, what am I doing? So when you get cut from the monarchs, where do you go? Uh, I just played uh, school ball that year. Okay. I didn't play any rep ball. That's the first time I got cut from a rep team. That was devastating, especially to to who I got cut for.
1: It was crazy. <laughs> no, nah, I don't know. Is it is a shade if we if we say who it was? I I don't, I don't to be honest, I don't remember who they okay, okay, were. Okay, 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 But they were garbage. Okay, okay. Like okay, gar- okay. I
0: couldn't believe it. And that whole year everyone knew, like. No, there's no way. That was detrimental now that I think about so it. So
1: when, when okay, so that's the thing. Structures, holding you down politics. Because now, you strike me as a very charismatic political person. What you're describing at 15 seems like a, a young man who wasn't charismatic and political in terms of like playing the politics behind the scenes. No,
0: definitely not. I was so, a quiet kid too. Quiet kid? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Where did that come from? Well, I'm naturally introverted, believe it or not. <laughs> really? Yes. I'm a, like if you see me Like if we were going out yeah, And we go to a party and you know There's a lot of people around You're gonna be like yo Corey are you okay Like I'm quiet I'm observing everyone everything Like this is where I feel comfortable In yeah. intimate like conversations yeah. But yeah I'm still introverted
1: Now knowing some of the guys that you're around yes. Do you think that And this is just me spitballing Yeah. Do you think that that was you just naturally Adjusting to the personalities that you were around As yeah. a young man Because you were around very dynamic people. Yes. Uh,
0: You know what? That could be a possibility. I never thought about it. But everybody I was around growing up was very outspoken. David's like, you know, he's allowed, he'll get in your face. And I always was like his Robin when it came to like basketball. Wow. So I was very quiet, observing. I was calm. You know, I didn't really speak too much, yell too much. So that carried into my adult life, even now.
1: (laughs) It still just carries you. Yeah, yeah. I'm just
0: calm, cool, click.
1: So where did you discover... Because you, you, have, you have a, an artist's ability, you you end up getting into photography. Yes. So does the basketball dream totally end for you when you leave high school? Does it end like where where in your journey is it okay? Because you get covered from the monarchs at fifteen, but the basketball journey is not over. You're yes. transitioning to stay there. Yeah. It's still the primary focus and goal. Yeah. I know that you're a person who's probably doing what you have to do in order to do what you want to do. So yes. I don't know what the grades are like, but I'm presuming that they're 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 where they need to be. Yeah. So when do you transition out of the basketball dream?
0: So here's the thing. Because I was confused for so long, I ended up going to Sheridan. Okay. And I was hooping there. I'm, I'm like second all team time in Sheridan history for three-pointers made. Wow. Right? So I, I still have a good career there. We won the championship. Okay. So when I was at Sheridan, I'm thinking maybe Europe, right? Right. Yes. Maybe Europe. I'm playing with a good team. But, again, the system and the lack of knowledge at the time yeah. of how to make those steps yeah. wasn't there. Okay. So, again, I'm in that gray area. And then I'm, you get to the age at college, like, I'm a broke student. Yeah. So, I, like, you know, I was working here and there or whatever. But then I went to the streets. You don't even know. Yeah, like that.
1: Okay, hold yeah. on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Go so. ahead. <laughs> You win the championship at Sheridan. Yes. Uh, You're thinking maybe Europe.
0: Yeah. I'm like 24 at that time.
1: So you're 24 years old winning the championship at Sheridan. So it's it's, it's now still nine additional years of this basketball journey. Yes. And you got to eat. I got to eat. And basketball requires training. It requires a schedule that probably isn't conducive to the most traditional forms of employment. Yes, exactly. And you got to eat.
0: Yeah, no, and people
1: don't know this. this might, so go, you go So you go, <laughs> you see, you go to the streets.
0: Yeah, I. Yo, people don't realize. I don't. This might be the first time I admit this publicly. But at uh, I, I, the like the second half of the, my last season at Sharon, I started trapping from then. <laughs> yeah, while I was in school.
1: <laughs> so okay, so for those who know me, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a young okay. So I'm I'm a, I'm a young sheltered guy, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the first time, so I don't even know if I should say this. I'm going to have to cut this. <laughs> but I used to go up down by, um, uh, uh, gosh, uh, Ossington. Yes. For bigs yeah. or uh, raps. Yeah. Randy's Patties and things. Okay. You, know, you know that area, right? Yeah, yeah. Right off of, when, right when you come off the highway, right when you come off the alley, you take a right. And you're yeah, like Little Jamaica. Yeah. For many, many years. And you know the guys who always jerking the chicken late night, right? Yeah. Bro, for many years, I would just go there calmly. It was a bedroom of mine in college. That'd be careful. Who pointed to the white door and said, yo, that's a trap house. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I didn't know that. Yeah. And I was 24. Yeah. I remember finding out what that door was, was alarming to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I never thought of going in. So there's a moment where you get shown a door and you go through it. Yes, for sure. How does that happen? So,
0: okay. So I'll bring it back. Before I started that, yeah. uh, I was introduced to it um, probably in high school because I have family members that were involved too. Right. right, So they would bring me to the trap house, and I used to see it, but I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. But I, I, I was, I was familiar with it. Yeah. Right. So I guess that was the first seed that planted because I was involved. I seen it. I seen what was going on. I see the people. I see, I see both sides. Yeah. You know, and I seen the money that was being made too. Yeah. And yeah, that was high school. So, but I never acted on it then yeah. at all. And I guess then when I, when, it got to the, when I got to college, plus some of the friends that was you know, where I grew up or yeah. how I grew up kind of thing, they were kind of involved in those type of things too. So I was like, yo, fast money? I've been working at, I did basics, I did a flu, uh, palladium. Yeah. That's not cutting it anymore. Yeah. So let's step it up a little bit. And I'm tired of being like this broke student.
1: So you go to a family member or you go to a friend?
0: Uh, at the time I go to, I go to a friend.
1: You go to a friend and say, yo, yes. Yeah,
0: no. yeah, yeah. Actually to be on, me and a friend, like I have a friend on, I'm not gonna even say Yeah, it name, we're <laughs> not doing no names. Hey, <laughs> hey, we're not doing no names <laughs> over here. Yeah, yeah, there's a friend on the team that we're doing it together, so. Okay. We're, we're doing our thing.
1: And you're pushing the students? Sorry, you're pushing the students, or you guys were going like downtown to
0: no, no, no. We had our own like it was it was totally away from school. Like really? we had our own. So operation. you did not
1: operate where you yeah were. yeah yeah
0: no never. We we operated in other cities. Some fuck, sometimes we went Va- we went to Vancouver for a trip. Like, really? Yeah, it was crazy. So when you go to Vancouver,
1: are you are you traveling with it? So no, no. What
0: what had happened is that uh, we had a setup over there, and then actually with Sheridan. We, we had our championships one year in, Sheridan, uh, sorry, in Vancouver. So it just made sense that we just
1: okay. did our own thing out there too. When you said that you were making a bit of money, yeah. what's the most amount of money you say you'd made in a month? Bro, let me <laughs> oh,
0: you know, Okay, so in retrospect, it's not crazy amounts, right? It's crazy for a student. Yeah, I'll tell you it's what crazy. I was making it a month when I was yeah, in college. Yeah, it's crazy for a student. But I'll, I'll break it down even smaller. Um, to smaller sizes. Like there was times where I got my phone to like, I can make a thousand dollars a day on my phone. Like just turning my shit on, you know, I got to that point and not to say like, I wasn't some brick man. I was never there and I never will portray myself to yeah, be yeah. there. Or I wasn't doing like gang bang or nothing. I was just a businessman with that product. I got you. you know You're selling I'm? something that people wanted. Yeah, I sell them some, something that people wanted. And for me, why it worked out was because I don't have this rah-rah energy. Yeah. So no one's looking at me like, yeah. whoa, Corey, like, I can't believe it. I can't even picture you doing something yep. like that, but that's what I wanted, right? So yeah, wow. about a thousand dollars a day, I can make easily, easily. Were you ever tempted to, to, to get into the life? Of like the, the banging Yeah stuff? Like, never, because that's not me. I know my, one thing about me is I knew my lane. At the end of the day, I'm not into that banging stuff. I like, you. you know, like holding gun, bro, take that away from yeah, me. I'm yeah, good, Yeah, you uh, don't need the machine, you're yeah, just here. Yeah, I'm to come not, some bills. Uh, Yeah, I don't have beef like that. I'm not protecting an area. That's just wow. not my lane
1: So yourself and a, and a friend Have a situation A setup You're doing it obviously Because you gotta eat You win a championship at 24 Where you're, you're already working This side hustle Yeah What makes you stop The side hustle?
0: Um, The side hustle stopped Only in the beginning Of the pandemic Wow Yeah Yeah <laughs>
1: Wow!
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. to be honest
1: with you, like, so stop because people stop going outside.
0: Stop going outside, and it was uh, a—I already had picked up the photography then. Yeah, and I was just at the age where it's like, okay, Corey, what are you doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? doing? But here's the thing: I stopped cold turkey with no real skills on, Uh or no real, no real knowledge on like fine finances. So I fucked off a lot of my money. (laughs) <laughs> right okay. So I didn't really know What to do with it So Even Pandemic is what now Three three years ago Right now the pandemic Is going to be three years old I'm still adjusting here. To this Legal good Like clean slate life Because I'm like Whoa this I ain't coming in like that, like that you know, no, no more No more So I had to re- Like retrain my brain To think of Money in a different way And well, I'm Because it's learning. a crutch
1: right Yes It's hard to ignore If I'm short I know what to do yeah, and it's hard to take that away. Yeah. When you were doing it for some years. It's a lot of years. Yeah. Well, you started photography in 2017 2016ish? Yeah. yeah. So you were doing photography and that at the same time. Yeah. How does photography come to you?
0: Uh, photography came to me because I was always into art. Well, yeah. it started in grade 10. I okay. took a photography class. Okay. And I always I was good at it. I always was into Photoshop in high school, yeah. but I didn't take it seriously. Um, when I fast forward to 2016, 2017, uh, I always looked at different artists or what have you. I'm like, yo, I could do that. Like I have an eye for this. Right. So at the time I'm making money. So I just bought a camera. Yeah. And, uh, one of my friends that we talked about before, she's like, Hey, why don't you just shoot me? Right. Wow. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. And that shot, that shoot that we did blew up. And I was like, okay, I got something here. Yeah. And then I literally traveled around
1: the world, like shooting. Wow! Yeah, it's crazy. Which at this point is obviously now social media is a thing. It is a thing. Yeah. Which is what you're using then to. So the thing that kept you from your basketball journey probably accelerates you in your in your photography journey. Hundred percent. Because you're you're pretty active on social media. I feel like you understand the tricks. Yep. Does all that come from that time as a photographer?
0: Um. Yeah. It helps. It definitely helps because here's the thing. I had. I now have. Two different perspectives of social media. Yeah, I was always the cameraman that was behind the camera and putting out his work, where you didn't really see my face. And now I'm in front of the camera, right. putting out me and the guests that I have on my podcast. Right. So I do like all, all these things put together in one pot has me, has gave, given me a great understanding of how social media works and how what what makes people tick.
1: What's your best day as a photographer? My best day, yeah, like money wise or no, just like just day? Best day, best memory. <sighs> Good question.
0: <laughs> uh, best day as a photographer? Honestly, to be honest, uh, there was a photographer at the time that used to shoot Kim Kardashian, wow. right? And he was his, uh, he was her photographer. And he did um, he did some type of seminar in New York. And at the time, I was like, you know what? I remember uh, talking to David because um, he was in Philly training Nick, Nick Stauskas, Stauskas at yep. the time. So I'm like, yo, bro, I think I'm about doing this course. Like, I really <laughs> love photography. This is the first thing that I actually, like, Love even more than basketball. Like, you know, I could do this for free. I don't, it doesn't matter. So I think going to New York for that trip, yeah. I, I took, I believe I took the bus down there. I didn't, I, no, no, I took the, no, I, I took the plane to New York. Then I took the bus to Philly to stay with David, something gotcha. like that. Right. And I felt like, you know, that was the best day when it comes to photography. Cause I got to talk to someone that was close to like, you know, these famous people at the yeah. time or wha- whatever. And I, I really admired his work at the time. And I got to shoot, like, um, eight or nine models, like, that were doing their thing. Yeah. And my work came out very good. And yeah. that, to me, that was the best
1: day, to be honest, because I learned a lot. Because you get the rub, right? You're talking yeah. about sort of seeing how close these things can be. Yeah. How did you like New York? I, I always ask every creative, every yeah. artist, how did you like New York?
0: New York's okay for
1: me. It's it, okay for you. It's
0: okay. Uh, I feel like it does remind me a lot about downtown Toronto. Yep. However, I haven't been there in a while in this frame of mind. Yeah. So maybe when I was, um, when I went then, i remember I was still trapping then. Yep. So I had a lot of, I, I, I guess a lot of things went over my head that yeah. I would pay attention to now. Yeah. So then it wasn't crazy for me, but now because I'm on a different frequency, I'm on a different path, yeah. I'm looking for different things. I might find, find a different,
1: I might find a different. First time I went to New York, I didn't like it. Yeah. At all. Mm. Why? Um, Okay, <laughs> the reason why I didn't like New York when I first went, I went on a budget. Mm. There's th- a couple of places in the world where if you're on a budget, the place tells you you're on a budget. Yeah, for sure. Not, not the, the place. Yeah. To get into New York, you got to pay. Yes. Yes. So when I first went to New York, I stayed in Jersey and I'm trying to come over, I'm coming over the bridge and we paying to get over the bridge. New York humbled me. New York, when I first went, showed me I wasn't doing enough. Mm. Because you got to pay to play. Yeah. See, when I go to New York now, it's, it does it to me again, but at a different level because yeah. there's levels to this game. Yes, yes, yes. When, when you see the guy, when you see a man pull up in, in, in the double R, Cullen and two and a back to back, and the two SUVs, one in front, one in the back, and he's going to get a sandwich, he's going to get a glizzy. And then you see the SUV pull out to stop traffic just so he can take a U-turn with his dog and the other in and pull off. And then the other black SUV comes and they're they're doing that. In New York traffic, you're like, there's levels to this game. Because that that guy's a made man. You know what I'm saying? Like A lot lot of, something I love, which is why I always refer to this thing. I love old Italian mom movies. Mm -hmm. La Cosa Nostra, you know, like these. Because there's something about being a made man. I've always been so intrigued by that concept. And New York was that thing where you're kind of like, yeah, i okay. not, not a meat man.
0: Can I ask you a question?
1: Yeah, I know course. it's your podcast. <laughs> but this is what I do. So,
0: like, you know, I've been watching your stories for a while now, yeah. right? And, I, and I, I see what you're doing and you show certain things that you want people to see. Yeah. And when you go on your trips, I feel like, okay, this guy's living. I, I love to see it. Yeah. How, how's that? <laughs> like, at how's that, a- at that? At that level. How are the trips? How are the trips? Like, how do you feel? How are the trips? Yeah alright. <laughs> okay. It, what's no. the biggest difference? Obviously, you know. The, okay,
1: I'll, I'll put this to say. I'll tell a story about this particular trip yes. because it was it was the most impactful trip of my life. I took it earlier this year. Uh, last year, my father my father was born in October. Mm-hmm. Last year, my father hit retirement age. Nice. My dad is a hardworking man. He's he's my hero. I, I, he's a very human figure. I'm giving my dad flowers because on these things, I'm a very honest guy. So I, I can't lie. A couple, a couple of these interviews, my dad took it in the teeth. So, pops, I love you. <laughs> uh, very close with him. Love him as a man. Uh, hit retirement age. I said, "Pops, if you want to retire, I got you." You know, wow, so amazing. What do you want? To, you know, what do you want to do? My father, good man. I don't want to put that stress on you, son. And I said, "No, pop. and I, you know, I show him some number. Hey, look, I'm not joking. Yes, you're. You'll be fine. He gave his he gave his resignation like the next day. He goes, yeah. yeah, so he came back and said, like, "I'm going to retire at the end of the year." Cool. So he retires at the end of the year. All right. This is an aside. This episode is going to be long because I'm giving the story. <laughs> Uh, just for context? Yes. So you know this. Last year I was engaged. Yes. Um, last year I was engaged. My engagement falls apart. It creates a bit of a, a distance between my family. It's in and around the same time I'm telling my father he can retire. So it's like-
0: I'm, Are they looking at you like, why would you do that? Or,
1: why, why did I get engaged? No. Are they
0: looking at you like strange for the, the breakup?
1: No, no, no. Everybody oh. in my family thought I should have broken up with my ex.
0: Oh, Oh, okay,
1: cool. Yeah. yeah. Fair. Um, so it's, it's like all these things are happening around the same time, but I'm so embarrassed. I'm so like- Oh my gosh, you know? So, but I commit to my father, look, I'm gonna take you to Miami in February.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, to celebrate your retirement. Now, I don't know, like, I don't know how the type of breakup person you are. I luxuriated in the pain of my breakup for a long time. Ooh, ooh. So we were broken up, but I, I sat in it for a bit.
0: Yes. I'm like that too, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then my father's trip happens at a time when I'm still there. Yeah. So I said, yo, do you want to bring, so I'm thinking he got some, cause my dad has some running mates that he has from like back in the day. So I said, yo, I'm gonna get the plane. We're gonna hop on the jet. My father never been on a private plane before. So I'm yep. like, yo, we will get the jet. We will go to Miami. Do you have anybody that, you know? And he's like, uh, nah, like I'm good to just be with you. Wow. Which like, I don't even know how to describe, like, okay, so there's a lot of things that are meta. My dad and I are friends. Yes. I grew up, my father was a disciplinarian. I was scared of that man. Yeah. When he said, no, I'm good to just chill with you, it hit me like, yo, my dad and I really do just chill. And he rocks with you. Yo, and we like like we really do rock with each other. So then I said, okay, cool. So I got my cousin who he would know, another cousin of mine, and then like my main, my main dog. Yeah. And we're all going now to um Miami. Miami. We get on the plane to Miami, and my breakup is so fresh that my cousins don't know.
2: Oh, jeez.
1: So I have to say it on yeah. the plane. Because obviously we go going to Miami.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so I don't want <laughs> them to think I'm immoral. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm mean? saying? Yeah. So I'm going to have to explain to them. i want about to see some stuff. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm single now. Yeah. So we landed in Miami. Just so you understand, I'm just picture the scenes. So, yeah. so we landed in Miami. We landed at a private airport, Opa-Laka.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: For those, for those who know, you know what I'm saying? Because people try to test my gangs Like <laughs> I don't be doing it. We landed in Opelaka. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Outside, we have an SUV waiting just to take the bags. Yeah. An SUV waiting just to take the bags. Mm-hmm. Because there's five of us, and we have five supercars. We had a Lamborghini. We had a McLaren. I think the one dude had a yours. And then I say, pops, which one you want? This is what you're riding out in on the way. So, you know, everybody's happy. We in the car. Then we hop in the car. We're driving like a convoy to, to where we stay. We stay at the W. We don't stay in the hotel side. We stay in the, stay in the residence side penthouse of the residence. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah, I'll be back to my, oh, welcome back, Trevelle. He's like, yo, does how I know you out here today? And we're out there for four days. That is the most fulfilling, that is the most fulfilling trip of my life. Because what I notice a lot of that happens with people, and I'm not against it, like, cause I get it, like, dudes will get on and they're spending their money on the women that weren't there in the beginning, Yeah, the women that aren't gonna be there at the end, yeah. and the women that they hope will be there tomorrow. Like yeah. they're, And they spend, like, even Facts. me, I'm not, I'm not immune. I spent a lot of money on. Hold on, what are you? What am I saying? <laughs> yo, it's not a linear. <laughs> you had you your fun. You, you spent a lot fun. of money on frivolous things. Yes. For me to spend that much on a focused, this is for my dad. Yeah, bro. We took a boat out. We went to Bimini. We, we did crazy stuff. Yeah, and he appreciated it so much. Wow, bro. And then there was a moment where, like, it was like seeing him see me as his son. Yeah. As like, like, like a moment of like, dude, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And that that that's rewarding. That's so that trip is like, you know, rewarding. Mm. That trip is rewarding. Seeing my dad like, you know, me and my pops at the hookah lounge, my pop, you know, I didn't even know my dad knew how to smoke who, eat, churn, yeah, who yeah. <laughs> my dad has games still, so, yeah. you know? Like <laughs> And you know in Miami, like yeah. no, no disrespect, but he looks good for his age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're obviously out there. You know, I got, I got him. You know, he has a chain on and stuff. You know, yeah. so we're chilling. So Miami, they think he's a poppy. So I'm seeing my part like, like he just went it like yeah. yo, what's up? And yeah. I'm like, it was kind of well, crazy.
0: Yeah. Wow, it was mad. So, let, so I want to know. Like, I asked Tafari the same question. Yeah. Being where you are now, yeah. right? Um,
1: Did Tafari tell you about when we went to Miami? No, he didn't tell me. He didn't. But I seen it. I seen it on the stories. Actually, no. Is it you who he told when He said, um, "I took investors in Hudson, and we went truck to the plane to the truck." No. No, no. that was you. Okay, that's me. No. Okay,
0: cool. so no, I, I, I was saying that I asked Safari this on the podcast, yeah. and it, it's a real question because I have friends around me that you know they do well for themselves yeah. too, and I want to know like how do you like how do you pr- protect yourself now from the women that look at you like, well, Travell? <laughs> okay, cool, no, especially not in
1: Toronto. Toronto's too small of a city. Okay, so like. One thing, there's, there's, but there's a couple of things that make me different as a person. Yes, just generally different as a person, which is like I don't care about money. I care about elaborate. Elaborate. I don't. I, so I'm not. I am not scared to go broke again. Oh, so like I don't care about money. Losing everything. I don't care because you have the skill. Yeah. What, I know, I can climb a mountain. The hardest part was doing this the first time. Fair. Because I didn't know I could climb a mountain. Fair. Then the hard part that some people think is the frustration of having to climb a mountain again. Once you've already been there, they think it's embarrassing. That doesn't annoy me because I'm planning to continue climbing. I have not yet arrived, I'm nowhere. Yeah. I really look, I'm nowhere. So I don't care about money because I'm nowhere. Fair. I care about achieving additional skills, having additional wisdom, helping additional people, being of additional quality. Like I care about capacity and, 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 and skill and success and, yeah. and emphasis, yeah. right? Uh, the truth is that if you get rich enough, you don't need the money because people just start giving you things anyway. Yes. So I actually don't care. I don't care about the money. Yeah. So um, when a woman comes around, this It's, <laughs> you know,
2: it's
1: going to be a two-hour episode. <laughs> I had this conversation with my friends the other day. Yes. Okay. Where we were talking about what's a, what's a simp play. Yeah. Right? What's simping? And I'm of the opinion, if your money's long enough, you can't simp. I think so too. If my money's long enough, I can't sip. So, yeah, if she asks. <laughs> Yo, know, if you ask and you're nice to me, and okay. I think that we're like, cool, have it. Yeah. True. Because. But does that ever get frustrating? Because you're like, oh, who?
0: Well, who but it's, all, but,
1: it's, but it's like, it's never not been frustrating. I've never met a woman who didn't want what I had that was of value. Ooh. Whether it was money or not, right? So, before, okay, I'll put it to you this way. Before, when I was in college and I had an exam the next day, yeah. and it's yeah. 11 p.m., but a girl, a home girl of mine knows I give good advice and she calls me at 1130 and we stay on the phone till 4am. That was equally frustrating. Yeah, oh, fair. But, it, but I have it, it's a value. I'm so sorry, I know you have an exam, but I need your help. Yeah. Okay. I've always been the, all right, like, I was never the guy to say, no, don't talk to me right now, I have an exam tomorrow. So what do you, at this level, what do you think about monogamy? Well, like what do you
0: mean? <laughs> like, 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 just settling down with one person. So, so here's what I'll say. When you
1: can have- uh, So much of my view on that, I thank my mother immensely because she raised me in church. Fair. That is right. My view on monogamy has been indoctrinated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But um, the only reason I'm monogamous is because I think if I wasn't, it would cost me my eternal soul. Fair. So it's I, a soul thing for you. Yeah. I want to go to heaven. Yeah. Like, I, I want to I live well. <laughs> I want to go to heaven. I want to have a family. Yes. I think raising a child under the ire of monogamy is better. Yeah. Uh, so do I. Um, and I, I would love to do that. If, if I was not, what? (laughs) It's gonna be a two hour episode. If I knew I was never gonna get married. Yeah. (laughs) If I knew that marriage was not on the cards.
2: (laughs) say it. It's about capacity. Elaborate.
1: Okay, it's, it's okay. No, this is, here's what I'll say at this level, that I, that, that, or at any level. Yeah, The going rate for sharing a woman these days yeah. is actually crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It's very expensive. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: We were having a conversation about this. Yeah, There are women who you know, I am not the only guy in your life. Yes. They know you're not the only guy in my life. Yeah. But what you have to give to even be a fraction of what they are, yeah. then I think you might as well just wife her up. yeah. Cause you're giving so much to not, to then, to not- To share. To share. Yeah. That as a concept, conceptually from a relationship perspective, yes. From a, from a power perspective, and like the idea of having multiple partners, I was thinking about the emperor Caligula. He's one of the worst emperors in the history of Italy. He was insane. Okay. Caligula used to go to Capri. Capri, they used to say Caligula would throw dinner parties at Capri so he could sleep with the man's wives. Because Caligula himself said, "I'm the emperor." Yeah, and it's power. It's the same thing that happened to Magic Johnson in L.A. True, it's power. I'm, I'm Magic Johnson. I'm six foot eight. Yeah, we just won the title. They said I'm the MVP. Five, six. Mm-hmm. When I heard Magic Johnson say five, six, seven at a time, I know where he's at in his brain. It's some emperor level power thing.
0: Yeah,
1: you know. So I actually had this conversation with a few friend of mine the other day. Holy Christ! <laughs> What? No. But yeah, I think it's a power capacity thing. I think my mentality, my my mentality on that from a an open-ended conversational perspective Mm
2: -hmm.
1: is probably wide open. But my perspective sort of, you know, if I'm in a relationship, I want a partner. Mm -hmm. If I'm a partner, you can't be part-time.
0: What Um, do you look for in a partner if you are ready to like, you know, settle it down? Because I, I ask this because, you know, I picture myself having a certain type of wealth, right? Yeah. And When I was younger, I always used to be like, "Oh, I want an entrepreneur," but I really don't care about any of that now. To be honest, I really want, like you know, a super nurturer, someone that's caring, loving, and that can, like you know, hold down the house. Not to say I won't do anything, but you know, just so we can raise, actually raise children and not raise them off of YouTube. So that's what I think I would look for when I'm at that stage. What about you?
1: When I was when I was uh, when when I was younger, I wanted an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. The journey to here, realizing that I don't need. Because my mom is kind of like, you know, really, come on, go get it. So I, I think I was trying to replicate that. True. But I don't need that because I have that. Yeah. So yeah. What I say to my friends is if I was to settle down, I'd want a woman who could rub my back and get me elected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just a woman who can get you know rub my back and get me elected. Fair. fair. Right. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I, I'm also very jaded these days. Another thing that I've noticed, and I'll ask you this question. Yeah. Because I know some people who operate in artistic spaces and they see women a lot. Yes. Because when I was a musician, I talked to women a lot. Yeah. There's a perspective of the game that makes me numb to things. For sure. As it pertains to relationships, do you find yourself feeling less or more than you used to?
0: Um, I definitely feel less. Yeah. Only because I feel like I was exposed to too much. Yeah. And I was exposed to a lot before any of my friends had fame. Yeah. Probably since I was grade seven, to be honest. Wow. I was exposed to so much where, like, like I'll just say it, like, <clears throat> our goals back then was to see who can smash the most girls. Yeah. And having that mentality for you. You grew up right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> a saga, man. Story, man. Story right you know? there. Yeah. So, like, being hardwired that way for so long, you see a lot. Yep. You see a lot of personalities. And then you start, like, tripping yourself out about women. Like, oh, who can I trust? Why would I trust her? This, that, the third. So, definitely less. I still deal with those repercussions to this day. Really? Yeah, for sure. Because it's just like, there's a, there's a trust factor that I place on someone else. Yeah. But it's really coming from myself.
1: Yeah, but I think... So, when will you graduate from beating yourself up for young decisions? Um, I'm going, I'm,
0: I think I'm transitioning now. I don't think it's like a, a hard stop. It just comes with maturing, trusting myself more when it comes to situations and kind of like, you know, just experiencing new things. Because when we're younger, we are only taught one way of thinking. My older heads was like, girls, 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 just see who you can smash the most girls, 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 girls. But now it's just like, that was terrible advice, yeah. you know? So it's, it's a transition that I'm going through right now, even at my age.
1: What was your father like? Was your father a, a womanizer? Hmm.
0: Uh, if he does see this, he did definitely get a lot of. <laughs> he's married now. And you know what? I do say that. You know what? I do say this. I'm like, my pops got married at around like 44, right? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So my pops got married at 44, and I have the utmost respect for him now. Okay. When he's always had a good job, he's always, like, you know, he's always provided and stuff like that, even though we had a rough upbringing at the start or whatever. But. I did see a lot of women growing up, right? And that obviously implanted a seed from young. I see my dad doing it. I see my friends doing it. I'm hearing about my dad from other people. Like, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was definitely a womanizer. And I'll tell you a little story. Like, um, my grandfather was Guyanese, right? And the first time I met my Guyanese family it was in grade 10. My grandfather had already passed. And my older cousins, I call them my aunts because they're a lot older than me, They were like, listen, I'm going to tell you about your family history. Like all the men are womanizers, (laughs) (laughs) like all of them. Like, you know, so me knowing that, like from like 2010, I started to try to think a little bit different. Like, okay, I understand like, yo, this is how we move. Like literally they told me that when you go to Guyana, make sure you make sure you ask uh, like the family lineage because there's a lot of unknown kids out here. Right? So that's what. What? Yeah. Yeah. Because my great uncle has 19 kids.
2: Uh, 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 (laughs) Really? Yes. Yes.
1: And how much do you think that informed your relationship with? Women?
0: Yeah. A lot. A lot. Because I, I, I haven't seen. My mom and my dad were never together. So I've actually never seen. You, and you've never seen them together. I've never seen them together. And I've never even to this day seen them speak in the same room. Although they're cool, I guess, but they don't ever talk. So I haven't had, even though I'd had a stepfather there, but it, it's, it's a different relationship. So I didn't necessarily see a lot of healthy relationships growing up. Even with my friends, a lot of us have like either, you know, disgruntled families or we have just one parent household, yeah. so that image of family of relationship was never there. It was always just some savage shit
1: to be honest <laughs> I, I, I know we're we're, we're we're in this space of photography, and th- this like and I don't want to be like obviously the type of photography that you were doing yeah you, 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 were, you were you were photographing a lot of female models yeah um and sometimes I've heard of some photographers get a bad rap for being very terrible in those places. Obviously nothing associated like that with you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just curious. There's this young guy who's been told get every, you know, get every woman you can. That's a measure of who you have to be. You go back home. You're essentially told it's in your blood. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then you spend the better part of six years, five years, new photography, essentially being in very intimate, vulnerable spaces with, uh, Women as the as the as your as your as your partner in that space. Yeah. but you're the authority because you yeah. hold the camera.
0: So here's the thing. This is what I tell a lot of people. Because I'll be honest with you, a lot of people always ask, "Yo, Corey, are you are you? Can we swear?" Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Yo, Corey. Yeah. Man, are you are you fucking these models? Yeah. Like that's what everyone wants to know. Every guy wants to know. Right, Corey, are you fucking these models? Right. Here's the thing. I I don't think any male should get into nude photography if they're not familiar with getting women before they started this thing. I agree with you. You know what I'm saying? But so then tell me
1: why, and then, I'm going to bleep this name out. So yeah. you have to tell me how with f- With who? With who? who? Who was a photographer? There was a photographer that essentially came out yes. that for years upon years upon years, yeah. this guy was assaulting women in his, in his photo sessions. So do you want to know how that happens? How? Huh? Because they don't, they have an insecurity. Yeah.
0: They probably never got women, yeah. right? And... They they picked up a camera and said, "Okay, I can do this. I can wow. do these nude photo shoots." Da da da. Oh, let me like comment. Make let me make let me start with one comment. Oh, you look nice. Or oh, I like the way your breasts look. Or I like the way your at look. Da da da. And then they start with a touch. Let me move your hair. Then they start going further and with with these clients over years. Let me see what I can touch without you saying stuff. I can see how it happens. It's just comes. It's to, just from a, a spiral. Yeah, it's just a spiral, and
1: it probably comes from a place of insecurity. But you're so you're saying that because you were confident. But I think it's even beyond because I'm not thinking that you were going to sleep with the models. But yeah. I did that reinforce any part of your identity? This sort of because essentially you're being told that you're a skilled lothario, right? Yeah. Like, and then you have these women in these compromising spaces. Yeah. Like, it's just women as part of your identity. is it just it's it's really I playing a large idea. and huge sustainable role. Yeah, because if we, if we track it for the numbers, you're essentially you know, you hear puberty and women become a part of your life for a decade. Yeah. You're a young man to have yeah. anything be a steady
0: yeah. trip for a decade. Yeah.
1: And I guess I'm just trying to track your relationship with it at that time.
0: So with the photography and nude, like, yeah. so with me, I, when I got to the nude photography, I always looked at it as an art. And because I had the history before of being used to women or getting women yeah. or what have you, yeah. I would I knew that even around the time where I was starting, photographers were getting exposed right yeah. so i made it a like a thing like anybody that i've shot with anyone could ask behind my back i made it professional yeah as possible like yeah. i made sure i don't stare i don't look i don't comment yeah right so because you got to remember one creepy vibe you're done done and forever. that creepy name honey you don't want that creepy name forever so i made sure um that that wasn't gonna be my problem. And I want, I'm want. i happy that I got out in the time that I did, because you just never know. It's such a fine line with mm-hmm. he say, she say, mm-hmm. you don't know who's mad, who's not mad, that, you know, some, what if I didn't do something and mm-hmm. someone did say I did something. Mm-hmm. So it's such a, I don't know, it's such a tricky game that I'm glad I got out when I did.
1: Cause the closest I ever came to that, I was, I directed for a little bit and I had yeah. a film where I had to direct a sex scene, but at least everybody's on set. I got the sound guy here. I got the person yeah, there, and them, the we, co-actor. It's so me and so the but it's just you and the, you and me the, the female. That's it. And, it's, and it would almost be offensive and uh, its own form of assault if you bring in a spotter. Yes. You know? Here's the thing though. Why
0: I like pat myself on the back for uh, a lot of situations. I always said, feel free to bring whoever you want. I've right. had people bring their boyfriends. Okay. You know, feel free just so they know that
1: I'm not on that type of time. Yeah.
0: If they, now if they want to come by themselves, that's
1: okay. Did you have a girlfriend at the time who had an issue with the nude photography?
0: Oh, uh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I did. I I I had someone I was talking to. Yep. And uh that was the one of the biggest reasons for the like, you know. For the split. Yeah, for
1: sure. Wow. She actually Not the trapping, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, the, yeah, yeah. not the trapping. That's not the Not thing. the trapping, which is crazy. Yes, yeah. Not
0: the trapping, but she came from a religious background that was
1: very strict. Not the trapping. Yeah. No, I don't, the... no, 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 Like no. <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. See, that's that's what I My think. Group too. Over church,
1: but group of church was comfortable with you at the trap house and not with a camera you had? You know what I'm saying? Wow. So
0: like for me, I I almost Later on, I under, kind of understood where she was coming from and I have a lot more empathy to where she was coming from What now. was the argument that she was making? It was the fact, okay, so there's, there's an argument that she was making and then there's an argument what I think. Okay, okay. Let's Two different off. things. So the argument what she was making is I did something so drastic without consulting, like even saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do. now. Okay. What I think is when it was coming out, it's the image that would now be placed on her as well.
1: And how un- her look.
0: Yes, and I can understand that because she was a straight person, like uh, university, good job, this, that, the third. And I can understand how now this can affect your image. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, yes. Again, there's what I think and what she has told me. I think it's a, there's a combination of both. Yeah. And but to this day, I respected it. Like we're still we're cool, but not like that. Like you I know, can. like yeah, but like. It was what it is, what it is. I can understand it, but I needed, I needed to do that to get to where I am today. So
1: we start photography in 2017. Yeah. We're gonna stop trapping in 2020.
0: Yeah,
1: Photography I think also continues until about
0: 2020.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, the, obviously the world pauses. Yeah. And you have a moment to also pause mm-hmm. and, and take a reflection, take stock. Mm-hmm. You're an introverted person, you're a former athlete. Yeah. At this point in time, I think because I'm just thinking about the people closest to you, right? David, I think, has already transitioned to real estate in and around that time, or is getting no, ready no, to no, do too, so. Toot did the real to estate, did the real yeah. estate, sorry. And then David is doing; tra- he was already training. doing the training yeah. course. Um, you got some friends around you that are not. I think they're in the league already yeah, around this B- time. Yeah. Um, and so you're so you're seeing your surroundings shore up. That's what I call it. Mm-hmm. When because when you're young, everybody's potential. We're all going to do everything. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older, you start to slowly see... It's like, I call it like a... Like, you know when putty, you can mold it. Yes. But as time goes on, if it gets dry, it's it, Yeah. I mean, and you can't move it more. It's firm. Up, yeah. So there's always that moment you look around and you see your guys around you firming up. Mm-hmm. And as the dynamic artistic person, I think you and I are probably similar in our spaces that way. We're, you know, we're still moving. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, right, yeah. Right? So, and then you have that moment of pause. Mm-hmm. What's that like for you?
0: The moment of pause, it was difficult, bro. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, I'm... I'll give you some context. Like I'm used to being like 190 pounds, 188 pounds in the pandemic, bro. I got to 217 pounds, Whoa. you know? So there's a lot of things that were going on in my mind, you know? And I just feel like uh, during the pandemic, there's a lot of confusion. Um, a couple of situations that I was in that was like stressing me out at the time. Yeah. And I knew inside, like I had more in me. I'm a, such a curious person, Yeah. you know, but I don't, have like the tangible skills To show that yet yeah. Even though I could shoot yeah. That's, All I knew is I know how to operate this camera Yeah So I was going through it um, The pandemic I completely went cold turkey With the, the trapping Yeah Which was In hindsight I don't know if I It could have saved me Or it, it, like It's hard Because it's like What do I do next?
1: Cause, so what were you doing for money?
0: So I was I went to the Instacart I was doing, wow. yeah, I I humbled myself. Like I worked at BioSteel after just after the pandemic. Yeah. And that was such a humbling thing for me because I haven't worked a job in 13 years. So I said, you know what? I gotta, I need some skills again. I need to like respect time. Yeah. I need to, you know, show up to work on time and do just these little I needed to refine myself yep. so people could take me seriously. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, so in the pandemic
1: the George Floyd situation happens. Yeah. That right. George Floyd happens, I want to say, is that 2021 yes. version of the pandemic? Or is that 2020? Yeah.
0: yeah. That, that 20, I don't exactly remember okay. the date, yeah. but I remember the feeling. So for me, that was my last nerve because there's a lot of like killings like that going on. So for me, that was like, That was my last nerve, like not saying anything. I felt, always felt a way when I uh, I seen them. And for me, I'm not the march up and down type of person in the street. I'm not like, um, that's not me. That's not how I want to do things. So I was like, that's where the birth of black as the new rich came literally from George Floyd because I was like, what way can I like help the community but also help myself as well? Because I deemed myself at the time financially illiterate So I was like, okay, now let me bring on these successful entrepreneurs that I can pick their brain, learn, right in person, and then still give back to the community. Okay. So that was the win-win. Okay. And that's how, like, that's what, that was the transformation that happened in the pandemic that I'm still dealing with now. Like, I'm still transforming now, right? So I'm still gaining these skills now.
1: Who was your first guest? David. Wow. David. What'd you pick up from that conversation? I mean, because it's your best friend. You've yes. talked to him for years. Yeah, yeah.
0: So what I picked up from that um, conversation, it was such a vulnerable conversation that I can, I, it was like the first time that I could say, like, I felt his pain. Wow. I felt his pain. And I what I mean by that, because he's been through so much with this game of basketball, love, hate, dark times, light times. And I went talking to him. I was just like, bro, I like... I, I, I almost, because we, we, I went to Sheridan he went to York. I'm like, I apologize. I apologize that like, I wasn't like, I didn't check in on, check in on you even more. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that's what I got from that first one. It was, I was impactful.
1: Really? Yeah, for sure. Cause you kind of see your friend in a different. and a different way. way. He
0: was telling his story on his terms, even though I knew everything that he was saying, but I was like, man, I, 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 I see it. I, I can feel you right now
1: if you were to have a vision yes. for, I'm going to say twofold. Okay. Both yourself as an individual and Black is the New Rich as a movement. Mm-hmm. Where would you want both of those things to be in five years?
0: In terms of Black is the New Rich, I really feel like, okay, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm tired of like all the podcasts, the shows that are just like clout chasing, like men versus women, women versus men, garbage, you know? So like, I really see myself. I really see Black Is your Rich as a hub, as a as a network, like the Revolt TV having a bunch of shows underneath, yeah. and we're just pushing this media altogether. Yeah. Whether like you know, just whether it could be any type of show that's pushing our narrative yeah. forward, but yeah. our narrative is told by us. Yeah. Right. So that's where I see black as a rich. And as far as like me, myself, I just see myself as a bird eye view, just making plays, make that happen. Because I I feel like now I'm in, I'm embedded in this thing, to be honest. And I don't know, I'm a very artistic person. I don't know how my expression is always going to come out. It may not come out always in the form of a podcast, but I'm still figuring that out today, you know? So I can't really tell you exactly where I want to be, when I'm at my top because I'm such an artistic person I have so much in me my medium is always going to change
1: do you ever miss the game of basketball
0: no 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 I don't I've I've had so much disappointment with it it's like I've had so much times where I felt and this could be biased obviously Mm -hmm. that I was I was in I was in positions in basketball where I felt like I could have excelled more and those opportunities, either I miss them or they didn't turn out how the way I wanted to. Yeah. So no, I, I, I don't miss it at all, to be honest.
1: It's like that old Isaiah Thomas meme of like, I met the criteria to be selected. Yeah, yeah. But, but I wasn't.
0: It, there you go. And yeah. that's how I feel. No, I, I don't miss it. I'm, I'm happy I don't miss it. Yeah. Because I could see how
1: that could be a crutch for a lot of people to move on. Yeah. I'm done. I'm good. And do you you yourself married. I mean, we had the question to myself, obviously in five years, you're going to be wildly successful. You're going to be incredibly wealthy. Thank you. The the, the business is going to be buzzing. Obviously from a media perspective, people are going to know you. Yes. So it's going to be an even more difficult proposition. Yeah. So do you see yourself being able to navigate your way to a, to a partner in that, in that environment?
0: I feel I, yes, I want to be married and I want to, I, I do see myself in that position in like five years because I think it brings a level of focus and I like to be a focused person. I like to be a disciplined person. Yep. And it's a little bit selfish, but I think that can add on to the focus and discipline.
1: So you like the idea of obviously getting married because of what you think it means for your ability to essentially improve as an individual, bring, bring yourself to the next step. Yeah, for sure. And be the ultimate version of yourself.
0: Ultimate version of myself. Because that like these distractions, like being a single person, you're always going to have distractions because you're going to always have the option to entertain a conversation or entertain whatever. Yeah. When you're married, which I think it should be like, you should be just focused on that union and that situation. And those outside distractions are, you won't even think about them. You don't even have the option to think about them if you put yourself in that position.
1: So what have you replaced? Cause obviously before women were your vice, they were your compulsion you obviously now you're addicted to your business. So what have you replaced your vice with, though? What vice do you still have oh, that you? Learning, have bro. Oh, learn? vice. Do I still have? Yeah.
0: what like, meaning, like, uh, like guilty pleasures, or
1: because <sighs> you're talking about cutting cold turkey. So obviously, you're a very strong old person.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But cold turkey always creates remnants. It's like the person who puts away, you know, they put down the cigarette, but then they're chewing gum forever. You know. Because bro, they,
0: I'll be very honest with you, and I, I can be very vulnerable, like. Hmm. What, it, it could, I wouldn't even say women like that anymore because yeah. I've, I've come such a long way, yeah. you know? So like, I don't think there's any one thing that's hold like a crutch to me right now. And I'll be very honest. Like, do I have, I don't, do I have habits that could still be fine-tuned? For sure. Yeah. Um, but any one crutch, I don't, I, I, I honestly, I feel like I'm growing past that, to be honest.
1: I think that's powerful to to, to, have, to, to, to have no crutches, to have, to have no, no personal crusade to make. Yeah. Yes. Here's the thing though. Let's be
0: very honest. I have two eyes that I only see forward and I can only see, I can only see me from a certain, a certain way. Yeah. Maybe if you talk to my closest people, they may see things that I am not yep. necessarily seeing. Yep. So I'm open to that as well. Right. Uh, unless it comes to my table, yeah. then I can ask, maybe answer that question a little bit better because I'm open to, I'm, I just want to be the best
1: version of myself. But okay. I mean, it is important to, you, you do have to have an ability to block out. For sure. Outside noise. Stubborn. You You ha- stubborn. And you have uh, to be. Uh. There has to be that. So that's why I, I like to ask that question because if you don't see it, it's not going to matter anyway. 100%, to be honest, 100%. there's a lot of things people see about uh,
0: me. I am, I am very stubborn.
1: Yeah. <laughs> where, did, where did that come from, do you think?
0: Uh, shoot, being stubborn? Um, hmm. I think being stubborn comes from a confidence that yep. you can have within yourself. Yep. And when you believe something, yep. and I, like I said before, I'm a very black or white person. If you were to talk to my mom, she'd be like, Corey's black or white. It's either this or that. Yeah. You know, I think that's where it stems from as well, too, by being black or white. Because I'm okay with being wrong, too. I'm very okay with being around. Okay. You're never gonna hear me, the per- person like I'm right, da 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 da, mm-hmm. and when I'm proving that I'm wrong, I'm gonna still going around and still
1: say I'm right. No, no, I'm wrong, but I'm black or white. So we talked about obviously the, the future, of, the, the visions of the future. We have this huge segment in the middle that's obviously dictated by women and your interaction with them. Yes, you talk about sort of where your father is. What does your father think about what you're doing now?
0: Oh, he loves it. Yeah, yeah, he loves it. Um. Obviously, he knew about, like, what I've been through before and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, he just, he tells me that he's proud of me, you know, a lot, to be honest. Loves what I'm doing. Both my parents, like, I'm super tight with my mom right okay. now. And she actually helps me. Like, she's, like, my assistant right now with a lot of stuff, you know. So, both of them, they really love what I'm doing.
1: So, what was it like for your mom in those years then? Because, <laughs> obviously, she sees. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we act like moms don't see, but mom yeah. knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's it like for you? I mean, technically, you're you know, she was a victim of a womanizer. She sees her son becoming one. What were those years like for you guys?
0: Um, but when I was doing my shit. So here's the thing: I left home at 17. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I went to. I was with my grandma because I had problems at home. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With with your stepdad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We have we were just friction. Got you. Gotcha. Know? Two men and in the house. Two men in the house. <laughs> and I, I, I love him. Like you yeah. know, like he's doing his thing now. Like you know, we're we're cool. You know, I don't want to paint him in a bad light yeah. or anything like that. Um, so I left at 17. So. I was, like, for my mom, it was, it was, like, she knew what I was doing, um, but because she didn't see it every day, it probably wouldn't, it didn't impact her as much as it would if she see me doing my thing every day. Really? Yeah, because I was doing it, out, like, out of my grandma's crib, really. Really? Yeah. Wow. Even my grandma knew, too, but she would just pray for me, kind of. She's, like, like faith, you know, faith, faith-based. faith girl. yeah, yeah. She'll just pray, pray for me, and hopefully, I'm, like, you know, hoping that I'm safe and stuff like that.
1: Wow. Yeah. So have you ever talked to your mom about like those years? Have you, have you ever had that moment where you said, Hey ma, look, this is where I was at. This is what. Oh, for sure. For sure. Just,
0: it's not more about like what I was doing at the time. It was more of how I was raised and I expressed certain things that I didn't like growing up yep. and she, she, she was very open and she was, um, she took accountability for some things like, but also like we both came to the conclusion that she didn't have the tools. To learn certain things about parenting at the mm-hmm. time. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I've forgiven both of my parents because, you know, they both had more kids and I seen how they raised the other kids. And I'm like, you know, I I, I super respect how they raise all my siblings. So that's how I know, like, you know, they've changed or they've learned this parenting thing in a,
1: better. Because parenting is the hardest job ever. So what's the one successful relationship you've seen then? <sighs> I haven't, bro. Like, yeah, like, like, r- r- like my, my mom and my
0: stepdad. Don't get me wrong; they've been together for thirty years. Okay, wow. they, they, that's that's good.
1: Yeah, that's a good percent.
0: But because there was friction at home, I couldn't appreciate it like that. Okay, makes sense. So okay. I haven't. So I'm trying to build that now to see, like, okay, what does a successful relationship look like, or what? How should a man move? Like, I'll give you an example.
1: Yeah,
0: I w- I did a I did a a video shoot um of something called um, Eternal Sisters. It's like a faith-based, faith-based girl group. Yep. And the host of it, she her fiance was there, right? And just the way, like he was an ex-football player or whatever, and just the way his mannerisms towards her and the people around, like he was helping all the women up to the stage. He would, Like something would break, he would clean it up. He would be like, oh, babe, don't worry. Like I got this moving chair like just the way he was handling himself as a man, I take those images. I'm like, okay, I need to add that to my arsenal. Oh, yeah, You know what I'm saying? Because I, ne- I didn't necessarily see this type of stuff growing up. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm taking bits and pieces from everywhere. So, th- yeah. Like, so you're
1: learning through this sort of osmosis. Experience, exactly. Okay. You have anything you want to plug? Anything you want to, anything coming up?
0: Uh, I Honestly, nothing new coming up, but just great conversations when it comes to the Black is New Rich podcast. Yep. I'm i I've, I've opened the dialogue a little bit. Like before, it was just entrepreneurship type of stuff. Now yep. I'm getting to people's like stories. Like <laughs> one, I, one of the most impactful uh, podcasts that I had recently was a guy overcoming addiction. Whoa! He even started crying on the, on the on the on the show. If like if you go and look at those reels, bro, like he went from super skinny when he was doing super drugs, cocaine, whatever, to becoming ripped, no sex. Absent, like absent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a girlfriend. No drinking. No smoking. Ripped. Locked in. Celebrity barber. Really. So those are the type of conversations I'm getting. Okay. So I'll say look out for those type of conversations. I have a lot more coming. Um, I even have a conversation of uh, a female. uh, She went from um, Hindu to uh, changing, uh, changing to Christianity. Oh. And it was the first time on the podcast that she, like, if her parents see it, that's the first time she's ever, they'll probably ever
1: heard it. Really? (laughs) So, yeah, look out for that. So she sort of revealed this faith change on the podcast? Pretty much.
0: Even though, like, she talks about it in her story and stuff like that, but never really said, hey, mom, I'm da-da-da-da-da-da.
1: Do you, I mean, I I know I'm going to circle back. Do you feel the weight of getting these people's stories out and, or do you know what I mean? Like these are very obscure, very niche. Do you feel an extra sense of care? Like somebody sits across from you, you you talk to them, they give you the story. Do you feel an extra sense of care? I really want to put this out in the world. I really want this to be big. You need this platform.
0: Yeah, honestly, I I do. Like I, I I take that on and I feel like I treat everybody like they're the biggest thing ever because in that moment they are right. Right. So I do feel that extra care, extra weight that I'm, I'm, I'm telling their story, or helping them tell their own story in the light that it should be told. Yeah. So I I definitely hold that uh, as a responsibility, to be honest.
1: I was in with a questionnaire from Bernard Pivot, made famous by Inside the Actors Studio. Yeah. Um, couple of quick questions. I don't always ask them all. Yeah. But because we, because we're here, I think we'll we'll start with some we'll start with a, a couple softball ones. Yeah. Um,
2: what is your favorite word? My favorite word. Yeah. Black. What is your least favorite word? Can't. What turns you on? Learning. Learning something. What turns you off? Stagnant mind.
1: What's your favorite curse word? Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you could pick what profession other than your own would you like to try?
0: Uh a profession other than my own. Mm-hmm. I would have to say, I might go far left, like something that's so different that I just want to know, like a day in the life, like how does your mind work like mm-hmm. that? Probably, like if I could, like be a gol- a good golfer.
1: I so like a pro golfer.
0: Yeah, because I feel like you have to have a
1: different level of focus Golf to get that hard.
0: little ball in the hole from that far. Golf's very
1: hard. It's so annoying. <laughs> Exactly, so annoying. So annoying. You'll yeah. hit the ball the exact same way; it'll go somewhere totally different. Exactly, so annoying. Um, and then, other than your own, what profession would you absolutely not want to try?
0: Um, other than my, um, it's a guy that
1: freaking gives parking tickets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like nobody has some parking yeah, tickets.
1: It's that, such that, a thankless yeah, task. Yeah. And um, finally, if heaven exists, what would you want God to say when you pass through the pearly gates? I'm proud. I'm proud proud. You, you. You
0: you lived your mission. Like, here's what I think. This is just, obviously, everyone has their own interpretation. I believe, like, before we come to Earth, like, you know, like, we get to see, like, our potential of how we kind of could live out. And then when we go back up, we see that same piece of paper and how we, where we stopped or where we measured. And I just want to make sure I'm hitting the very top of the top of my potential or what I have to do on this Earth.
1: From my view, you're at least... Getting close. Corey Cash, I you. have to appreciate it. Thank, Thank you so much you. for coming. This is a linear. Stay tuned for other episodes. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Corey Cash Black is in New York. Be sure to check out the podcast, check out the movement. This guy is someone that you need to know. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time.